Let's pray. Lord God, as we come to your word, Lord, to to go over it as we just read it, Lord, we just pray that we can, Lord, turn our hearts to you, ask your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts, to show us things we haven't seen before, and Lord, to not only see them, but Lord, to be changed by what you show us today, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the passage we read from Exodus 34 comes right after one of the most glorious events and biggest tragedies recorded in Scripture. It comes after God's people were brought out of Egypt miraculously and God met them in the wilderness at Mount Sinai, revealing his awesome power and glory there. The glory of his holiness was so overwhelming to them in their unholy state that they rightly feared death. But instead of turning from their carnality to, turn, to draw closer to God, they instead pleaded with Moses to mediate with God for them. And then they camped at the foot of the mountain as Moses went up and met with God at the top. And there Moses received from God laws for living and instructions for worshiping God. And God revealed to Moses that what he wanted, what he was planning, was to come down to his people Israel and have his presence rest continually with them and dwell in their midst in a tabernacle. All these instructions that God gave Moses meant Moses was gone from the Israelite camp longer than the people could imagine. So, so long, in fact, that his people thought he had died for he had been gone longer than any human could normally survive without food and water. And they hadn't counted on God's supernatural word to sustain Moses. So with their God mediator gone, with Moses gone, and perhaps they're feeling vulnerable in the wilderness, the people of Israel turned away from the unseen God of Moses, who was also their God, and they made an idol to worship, a gold calf that they could see and sacrifice to and call their God. They worshiped that calf, they sacrificed to it, and then they indulged themselves in their selfish lusts. Casting off all restraint, they threw a big feel-good party with drunkenness and orgies and the like. And of course, Moses was not dead. And as he climbed down the mountain from his holy time with God, he heard and then he witnessed all that was happening 
below. And he was enraged. He ordered the faithful Levites to draw their swords and go through the camp of Israel, destroying the perpetrators. And around 3,000 people were killed that day. And the rest of the idol worshipers were plagued. And God ordered them to humble themselves while he considered what to do with them. And they obeyed. If they had not obeyed, that would have likely been the end of them. Then the Lord said to Moses in verse 1 of chapter 33 of Exodus, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, and the Amorites, and the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. So God was no longer willing to dwell in the midst of his people, and that for their own good, as we heard, lest he consume them. But Moses did not like the idea of that and was not ready to leave just then because of that. He preferred God's presence there in the barren wilderness above going to the promised land without God's presence. So what did he do? In Exodus 33:7, it says Moses took his tent and he pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and he called it the tabernacle of meeting. So he was thinking, if God couldn't dwell in the midst of his people, well, he still wanted a place, Moses still wanted a place where the people of God could meet with him, Moses as their mediator. Moses so desired what the people had forfeited, what God had offered before, his presence, at least reachable if not in their midst, that he made a place for God using his own crude tent, however, away from God's rebellious people outside their camp. And then Moses went back into the camp to be with his people. Well, God honored that gesture of Moses. Scripture says this, And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses and all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke 
to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend and he would return to the camp but his servant Joshua son of Nun a young man did not depart from the tabernacle so we see that Moses's plan worked but you know it was good but not good enough for Moses Moses still wanted what God had originally planned for his people God's presence dwelling in their midst even as they journeyed to the promised land so then we see this negotiation happening between God and Moses over this matter in chapter 33 concerning uh, the angel that God had promised to go before them that only as God was saying or that and God's very presence as well as Moses wanted and as God originally had planned this negotiation between um, God and Moses um, Moses prevails God concedes actually he tells Moses my presence will go with you and I will give you rest and I will also do this thing that you have spoken for you have found grace in my sight and I know you by name and we know the story the of the Ark of the Covenant that they did then build and and of the fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day God did what he had promised his presence again um, his presence when they made the ark was was in the midst of the camp but here in this in this little uh, part here Moses made one more very bold personal request of God he said to God this please show me your glory now you might be thinking that Moses had already seen God's awesome glory on the mountain and and remember he even spoke to him as a man speaks to his friend so what more could Moses have possibly wanted well Moses having tasted fellowship with God was seeking an even deeper intimacy with God here what Moses desired was to see God's face and God responded God said I will make all my goodness pass before you I will I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion but he said you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live going on in verse 21 and the Lord said here is a place by me and you shall stand on the rock and it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back but my face shall not be seen 
Well, that's where our Old Testament reading begins today. Exodus 34, 1 through 9. And I'm going to read it again. And the Lord said to Moses, cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. And I will write on these tablets the words that were on the first tablets, tablets which you broke. Remember uh, when, when Moses saw the people of God uh, rebelling and uh, when he came down the mountain and he was so furious, he, he took the original tablets that, that God um, had, had made and he, he threw them on the ground, breaking them to pieces. God goes on, so be ready in the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself to me there on the top of the mountain and no man shall come up with you and let no man be seen throughout all the mountain. Let neither flocks nor herds feed before the mountain. So he cut two tablets. Moses cut two tablets of stones like the first ones. Then Moses rose early in the morning and went up Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him and he took in his hand the two tablets of stone. Verse 5, Now the Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth keeping mercy for thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Verse eight, so Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. Martin Luther made the case that what Moses actually saw of God's back that day was the image of Christ crucified. And we know too that great, that great song, that great hymn that talks of, of Christ as the, the cleft in the rock protecting Moses. Well, whatever Moses saw that day of God, it caused him not only to bow to the ground, but also to intercede once again for his people. He said, if now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let me, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us as your inheritance. So whatever it was that, that Moses saw and heard, it caused Moses, even though he had witnessed firsthand the dreadful holiness and righteous judgment of God, to count on God's mercy grace, long-suffering, and abound, ab uh, abundant goodness and truth to be greater than God's judgment. As James 2.13 says, 
And Moses counted right in doing so, even though God continued on saying that he would by no means clear the guilty. And today we understand why he could not clear the guilty. That would not be just. Someone had to ultimately pay for sin, namely Jesus. And all the laws and ordinance concerning, ordinances concerning priests and sacrifice back then that Moses had received from God pointed toward Jesus. Jesus was the true high priest of heaven who was coming. And Jesus would also become the guilt and the sin offering that was sacrificed for our sin, that was represented uh, way back then in the day of the day of atonement, the sacrifice uh, for all of Israel's sin. Jesus was the one who actually demonstrated God's mercy and his justice simultaneously. And Jesus is our priest today, and he was our sacrifice, offering himself once for all, as Hebrews 7.27 says. Scripture reveals that we all had been bound to mortality and death by the devil, but God had designed us for life and for immortality, so something had to be done to make things right again. Hebrews 2, 14 to 15 tells us, Jesus came and shared our humanity that through his death, he might destroy the one who had the power of death, the devil, and release those who were held in bondage by fear of death, death being judgment. Jesus was God coming down with his presence to live in our midst, even physically this time. But few recognized him and few submitted their hearts to him even then. And so he did what he was called by his father to do. He went outside the camp, outside the city wall of Jerusalem with his cross. And there he was offered up. There he offered up his life for ours, for all of us. Now Jesus is our ever-living high priest who intercedes for us continually. He has compassion on us, understanding our weaknesses, Hebrews 5, 2 says. And Hebrews 7, 25 um, goes on saying, He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So Jesus continues on as our priest, making intercession for us. He became the mediator of the new covenant as Moses and Aaron and the priests and the Levites were of the old covenant, which was not complete, but pointed toward Jesus. But instead of simply teaching us his law and sacrifices, Jesus was our sacrifice, and he put 
his law of love into our minds and writes it on, on our hearts. That's what the new covenant is. And you can read about it in, in Hebrews 8. Jesus continues to be with us by the Holy Spirit, even though he ascended to heaven. He reveals himself to us through the Holy Spirit. And he is merciful toward us, not remembering our sins. As our high priest, he purifies us continually as he brings to mind his word. As we repent, remembering his sacrifice, we are, so to speak, sprinkled with his blood, our consciences being purified thus. Hebrews 10, 14 says, By one offering he has perfected forever us who are being sanctified. So again, as I've been saying in all my recent sermons, Jesus has given us this second chance, this opportunity for communion with God, for coming into his very presence through Jesus's body broken for us, through Jesus's perfect humanity and his sacrificial death on our behalf. And all this so that we can become like him, so that we could share, we can share in his inheritance as children of God. We have a greater opportunity than even those at Mount Sinai. And it's acted upon simply by acknowledging our sin and our need of Jesus as our Savior, and by looking to him and his sacrifice in faith. So I ask you, are you taking advantage of this great opportunity? Most people in this world are not. Most are not like Moses and Joshua going outside the camp to meet with God. Most today are not willing to denounce themselves and the ways of this world in exchange for communion with God. Most are not willing to exchange the fleeting pleasures of this world for heaven, for knowing and praising and thanking the Creator for making life with Him and immortality possible. The presence of God is not what this world is built around. We have to intentionally go outside the camp, to go outside our world, to seek the transcendent God who came and died on a cross in order for us to know him and to enjoy the benefits of communion with him. We meet him at the cross. That's what he wants us to do. That's why Jesus came. He identified with us so that we might identify with him forever. Let's pray. Lord, we don't take enough time to contemplate what 
you have done for us. The great act that you did for us, leaving heaven, leaving your glory, limiting your attributes and becoming human. Lord, we, we don't spend enough time to think of what it must have been for you those 30 some odd years of your life and then the cross, Lord, but we thank you for that. We thank you that you did that all for us so that we can, Lord, gain eternal life, life with you, fellowship with you and your Father and the Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Lord, that you've given us, Lord, your word, this little um, picture of it, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament of what you wanted and how you made it right again after we messed up so badly. And Lord, we thank you for that. And we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.